0: This podcast covers subject matter that may not be suitable for all audiences, especially young children.
1: So, did you get the talk, or did you have to give the talk? Where did you hear about sex for the first time? Maybe it's a big deal, maybe it isn't. Today on Busevoo, we're going to talk about sexual education and what we owe our little ones as parents, aunties, big sisters, and brothers. So today, basically everyone gets sexual education— If the discussion isn't open with somebody who cares, you can be sure that kids will open this discussion on Google. What are we going to do next? Well, maybe we'll talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. So, you know, in this episode, there's going to be a little bit of cringing, a lot of giggling, uh, a lot of trying to reminisce. Um, Also. We're also going to be thinking about what's going to happen in the future. So here with us today, I think we have a really great table of parents, some of us grandparents, some of us who are uh, not parents, but you have parents. Yeah. There we go. So um, we're going to be covering the birds and the bees. And when we think about the birds and the bees, we think about having this conversation with our children and their curiosity is sparked At a young age so you know oftentimes you get that question like mommy where did babies come from and then you know you have to think about all these different kind of explanations well babies are uh brought to us by storks or you know i went to the hospital and the doctor gave you to me or you know like all these different kind of curiosities that kids have so even if they know it or not it's actual it's actually kind of like a your first question about sexuality in life and it's not even something that necessarily means sexuality it's just a question about life so today um we
2: have jessica tuma from kujuk
3: i'm jimmy Yaka from waken bay
4: louis from Inukjuak. uh
5: ryan mcmahon uh originally from kuchiching first nation in treaty three territory
1: welcome guys thank you thank you, thank you. So I, I, I want to hear from you guys uh, what what your experiences were as children and if you guys can remember your first memories of, you know, where do babies come from or <laughs> these kind of things. And as I'm saying this, I'm sorry, I'm giggling because I, I, I got this uh, flashback of this video me and my husband were watching and the little boy was telling his mom and his dad about, you know, what he heard the night before and he was like, Mama was going ah, ah, and Dada was going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even if he knew it or not what they were doing, that was probably what his first memory was. So I want to hear from you guys what you guys have to say, what your memories were, and later on in uh, the conversation, we'll get to talking about uh, how you guys have spoken about it with your kids, if you guys have spoken it about it with your kids or not yet.
4: I remember when I was about four, I asked my mother, like, how was I born? And I remember her saying, like this, and she (laughs) pretended to vomit me out. And I was thinking, oh, my
6: God. That's
4: how I came out. And that's my only memory of asking her a question. And one time, a friend of mine, like, was showering her daughter And her daughter was so curious and looking at her mother and she goes, Mommy, why do you have flowers? (laughs) 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 So the mother had to explain to her daughter, like why she had flowers. Uh, Telling her like, when you grow up, you'll get them too.
1: Dingix for the record means pubic hair. Yeah. so she was referring to flowers yeah. but they were pubic hair <laughs> <laughs> so that's my
4: story <laughs> i
5: don't remember <clears throat> i don't remember asking um that question but um i do know that i was never given a birds and the bees talk um but instead uh one day when i came home um <laughs> i think it was like from third or fourth grade there was just a stack of P- playboys on my bed there was like three or four of them and um i don't i still i never asked where they came from but i hid them really quickly <laughs> <laughs> uh, cuz i think it embarrassed me like i think right? i think it um And no, maybe it wasn't three. Maybe it was grade six, I think. Not grade three or four. That would be weird. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think it was grade six because I do remember actually telling my friend uh, Randy about it. And uh, our grade six phys ed teacher overheard us. And um, we we embarrassed ourselves a little bit. But I was never given the talk, and I I don't remember really asking that question. But um, I think my uncle dropped them off, you know? I think my dad asked him to, or something. <laughs> so that was a conversation avoided in in my childhood uh, household for sure. Right,. Yeah. Um,
3: my mom never spoke to me about the birds and the bees. It was only when when uh, my friends were telling, telling me to use very uh sexual words <laughs> just to just to make me embarrass myself around adults. And so then I asked her what it meant. And then she sat me down and she told me about it. So yeah, that's all I that's all I can say. Was, yeah.
1: <laughs> how did it make you feel?
3: A bit uncomfortable, but uh since that's how I was made, I I came to accept it.
1: Yeah. You weren't like blown away or no. In awe or
3: no. I I mean it was I, I kind of shied away from it for a bit, but then I realized that's, that's, that's life, and I just took it how it was. Right on. You have to do what to her?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> they have what down there? <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember being born, so I remember the whole process of, like, where I came from, and crazy white man who spanked me to make you cry yeah cry out and, no I don't remember but I, I was, <laughs> <laughs> man I was, oh. I was leaning in I was like wait so you
5: actually do because that's a whole Tell other podcast <laughs> I, I've heard people say that
0: though and like truly I've mean it I've heard people say
1: that definitely. definitely
0: I swear I don't have a memory until I'm like until I was, like, 10 or 11. Okay. And people, like, you you remember being a 4-year-old yeah, and then three, puked four, out yeah. by your mother. I i have nothing. It's I all know just...
2: People actually even remember the taste of their mother's milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Were Never. they, like, 10? <laughs> oh, <I hope> not.
6: <laughs>
1: so, Jessica, I know that you have uh, quite a handful. You have three boys at home, and you actually have a son who is... Um, recently a father right now so how did you how did you come about talking about the birds and the bees with your boys
2: um i i'm my i mostly told them that uh when the birds and the bees get together it's because they love each other and that it's out of respect for each one another and it's human nature um I did not encourage it.) <laughs> but you know it's better to make sure they are prepared with their bodies, the changes in their bodies and their, their like um, their curiosity right. to the other gender.: Right um, about respecting the other gender as well at this stage, you know. Um, it's very important to guide them along the way. If uh, any issues come up, make sure they're comfortable in coming forward and talking to you. Yeah, so <laughs> I try to be there for them as a couple at all times. Cute. <sighs> How old is your granddaughter again? She is five and a half months old, going May, on six months keep old. Me. Cute. Congratulations. Yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. She's absolutely beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. new baby smells
4: King of
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um we I just want to also say that uh, we can tell them not to and not to not and not to not to. But you know, don't ever forget to tell them how to do it safely. Right. Because they, will. <laughs> they right. will. They will, they will, they will. So, it's so important that you tell them to do it safely. And uh, um, I don't necessarily, you know... When I found out I was expecting a granddaughter, well, a grandchild, I didn't know at the time, <coughs> it was a very big surprise for me. But, you know, once it sunk in, it was such a blessing. Yeah,
1: I can imagine. Mm. My mom always says to me, she says, you know, you th- you think I love you, but she goes, But I really love my grandson much more, and I was like, "Oh, geez, thanks, mom." (laughs) She's like, "You don't know real love until you get grandparent love." So, obviously, yeah.
5: I just wanted to pick up on something that I think is really important for me, um, because we, you know, I didn't have that talk, but uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm probably the oldest person, maybe even in this room. Um, I'm, I'm 40, and uh, um, when I was in high school. Nobody had sex. Like, it, it, I think I w- I was in grade eleven the first time I had sex, and it was like it was kind of an accident. Like we didn't talk about it, we didn't plan it. It just it just kind of happened. Um, but I had a couple of friends in grade nine that uh, did have sex, and we were like, "You are insane to be doing that because you could have a baby. Then what?" And that was like that was real, like back then. And so to think about how quickly things have changed and how we are in this sort of hyper-sexualized sort of society now where where I think sex is a lot more prevalent in pop culture and in almost everything we do that I don't know that that fear is really there anymore in the same way. Um, So I think it's an important conversation to have about the way things have changed and for parents, that are afraid to have that conversation, like you said, um, you can avoid it all you want. But I think really equipping young people with the, the skills to talk about it and act mm-hmm. appropriately is, uh, is, is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's awkward at the time, uh, and it's, you're probably sweating and shaking, <laughs> but, you know, in the future, they're going to thank you for having that talk with them.
0: Or forever be traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think
1: so. No. You know, I th- I think my one of my first memories was I was a kid and I was laying there in my bed and it was nighttime and I could hear my parents doing stuff and I was like, oh my god, my dad is killing my mom and I was I remember laying down there and I was thinking, oh my god, I'm in serious danger. He's g- like, what's going on? But anyway, I I never I was never sat down and talked to about it as well but how i learned about it was through school and sex ed and things like that but from what i understand um our our school board our regional school board here in nunavik has cut out sex ed so a lot of the times i think that the youth today they're finding out about sex through um social media and other you know online outlets you know you talked about porn magazines before you know it's 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 all on the net now right yeah so, there was no
5: internet when i was a kid yeah <laughs> so that's that's how old i
1: am <laughs> um yeah so uh, uh, today a lot of the means of learning about sex happens through social media and online and even just through music and things like that like on my way driving here to the office i was listening to the hip-hop channel on uh serious radio and the And the guy was rapping about like, if I could stay home all day and, or if I could skip work and stay home all day and fuck you all day kind of thing. Like that was the music though. And I was like, oh my God, imagine if my kid was in the car and he was listening to this, like, you know, but this is everything you said. It's very normal. Everything is normalized to be sexually visual everywhere. So that's another thing that I'd like to bring up and hear what you guys think about how um, sex in the media is being perceived by our youth. Um,
3: I, I have some friends that uh, they never, they never were spoken to by their parents because their parents thought that if they taught them at a young age that they would become addicted and they would, they would do all these sort of, sort of bad things per se, and so then they found out through pornography, and then they became addicted it, addicted to it and, you know, the kind of stuff and trying to imitate the kind of stuff that they were seeing online and it really, really messed with them, so, yeah. And one became a sex addict, so it's uh, pretty scary if you, if you don't really get a credible source, so. That's
1: a really good point.
0: My daughter's turning thirteen pretty soon, and she's had her period. I've had to buy her bras and stuff like that. It's uh, she's in her womanhood, and she kind of knows it. But now she's uh, when we go shopping for new clothing, she wants the tightest jeans. She wants like the smallest tank tops. And <coughs> as a family, you know, you gotta compromise. You, get some of the stuff they want they also have to um, so so she doesn't wear any anything baggy still but um,
1: I bet you wish you can kind of just put her in a brown bag and
0: I don't know how to talk to her i i I <laughs> was very young when she was born um, I was also like a, just a little bit older than she is, and my parents never had sat me down either um, I don't think they knew I was having sex until I had to tell my mother that she's going to be a grandmother <laughs> when I was in high school. And instead of telling me, being sat down and, you know, talking about respect or anything like that, she just, uh, like, shut me out for a while, just stopped talking to me until I named my daughter after her and that kind of... If So, piece of advice to our listeners, if your parents are really unhappy that you're being a teenage parent uh, just name your child after them
1: no. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> no but you're like the opposite of a condom ad right now
0: no, <laughs> no yeah, but seriously i had no idea what the consequences were going to be what what it meant you know i i was in high school i didn't have a job i didn't have an, my own place and mm. um now i worry that i'm going to be a grandparent soon and i don't know how to approach it with my daughter like you know, I try to be like oh that's your that's you and the mother that's kind of something you guys have to talk about but but <laughs> I don't think that's gonna actually work I don't have to I have to be
5: available too but right
2: just, just let her know that you are available if she ever wants to talk to you
5: yeah that's I've so I've got a 12 and a 14 year old and uh, that's basically the same sort of situation for me. But I, I kind of point back to, very luckily, point back to our ceremonies and our ceremonial ways that um, that uh, for Ojibwe people, for Nishnabé people, we um, we take a year when they first get their period, and, and it's called the um, uh, strawberry ceremonies. And so you do a berry fast for that year. But throughout that year, that young woman is to, Associate herself with healthy women around her, and so it's like they create this mentorship circle throughout the year, and they do different outings. And it's not, you know, um, it's not all you know ceremonial in the ceremonial context. But you've you've highlighted the fact that for that year when they first get their 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 moon time, that um, they are to surround themselves with healthy women that can help have that conversation and. You know, I, maybe this is controversial to say, but I'll just put myself out there. It, In a way, it breaks my heart when I see young parents mm-hmm. because it does change your life. It changes your life for the better in some ways and changes your life for the worse in other ways. And, you know, I mentor a lot of young uh, men um, just privately talking with them and, and end up striking up friendships with them. And I always say that is that Being a parent changed my life for for the better. And I was 24 when I became a dad. But I still had so many things I wanted to do before that time. And uh, I I would just encourage young people that are deciding to have sex and to enter into that, that relationship with their bodies and someone else's body, that they think about those things. Just hit pause. Your boner will come back. I promise it always does <laughs> and just really think about it because you can't take it back you can't undo those things and um, I, I really it it it's a hard thing to say because we celebrate those little ones they're sacred right they come from the Creator so so we 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 celebrate them um, and we should of course but we also want young people to thrive and and chase their dreams and you know be able to to do things for themselves. So it's it's one of those uneasy conversations in in native communities that I think we really fumble our way through. Um, but hitting hitting pause and let your don't let your your boner do the thinking. Can I say boner on this yeah, podcast? No,
1: I'm, fine. I'm pretty sure I dropped an F bomb <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, no, we're talking about... <laughs> Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> this is sexual health, we need to hear everything. and yeah. You know, there's nothing much that's uh, censored out, so...
2: Mm. It's so important to think about what you want in your future. Because mm. once you make that move and you do conceive or you have... your girlfriend has conceived, um, it's no longer about you. Mm-hmm. It's about pregnant. that child, yeah. from then on. So that's a big responsibility. I, I myself became a mother. Uh, I was I became pregnant at fifteen, and I had my my first son at sixteen years old. Not everybody makes the decision that I did that that time, but I dropped everything in my life, and I my life literally I did a one eighty, and it was a struggle, but. Uh, I got a job and I've been working ever since, so I could, I could honestly say I could look at it, uh, like I've lost my teenagehood, but I don't feel that way at all, and, uh, I thank my kids all the time.
1: You adapted quick to the situation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But not everybody does, so right. be very cautious of your decisions because it's the child in the end who will be impacted.
1: I I started really young. I was a very mischievous teenager and I started having boyfriends really young and you know even even my husband who I'm with now I've been with him since I'm 15 but Anyway, so I was like super curious and I was super out there and I was the rebel child and nobody can contain me and I was wild. And anyway, you know, I I, I was 21 when I had my son, but I think that if I look back and if I could say anything to myself, to that like girl, I would be like, okay, if you're ever going to get into this stage in your life, you need to be able to. Um, answer these questions. Can you provide the best life that your child deserves? Are you in the right position to be able to be a parent? You know, you need to think about all these different kind of variables. Like we talked about having your own place, you know, are you able to provide an environment that your child should be growing up in, or are you going to be living at your grandparents and parents still? Because that's how it is now. But you know what, when I think about it, there wasn't a lot going on in the community that i was able to relate to so i found my own means of entertainment right so you know if, if anything you know don't rush in your life mm. slow down calm down there's loads of you know different kind of contraceptives we talked about this with our elders uh, earlier this earlier today and one of our elders was like okay well um one of our ways of." have uh of having safe sex is not having sex she's like we sent our men out and made sure that they were hunting all day and she said the woman wouldn't follow the man because you know they'd end up having sex out there anyway and then they'd end up being pregnant so like you know i when i'm thinking about what she said and i had time to process it uh you know it's true like you have to be able to be a responsible person and take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else right Mm -hmm. and uh the best way to um protect yourself is, you know sometimes not having sex if you're not ready for if you're not ready to make these decisions so
4: i remember when we were in grade five i think our fps teacher like our sex educator like she taught us how to sing i remember this song like it's in my heart (laughs) can i sing it for a bit a day (laughs) she taught us like my body's nobody's body Body but but mine mine. you run your own body and i run mine (laughs) i didn't know i remembered
1: that song it's like it triggered something
4: (laughs) (laughs) so that's the song they taught us Uh, at the
0: uh, still remix
4: yeah
1: yeah, we should do a remix in Irritative.
5: <laughs> the thing that I want to uh, talk to my daughters about, and maybe you've talked about this in other podcasts, is consent. Hmm. Oh, yeah,
1: we've talked, we've covered a lot about that. Okay,
5: because that, for me, the conversation that I want to have with my daughters may not be about some of the things that um, their mom can talk to them about, but but I, as a, as a man, want to talk to my daughters about consent and, and what that means. And I think that... I think that that's, I mean, I know it's a buzzword now because of the, you know, the Me Too movement and everything else, and it's kind of on, it's the front of mind for everybody right now, but <clears throat> if um, if I could wish for one thing for my daughters is that they, they really have a, a strong foundation and base around consent and that they feel powerful enough and secure enough and safe enough to... Um, to to understand their their bodies in that way, that that consent has to be at the the front of everything, you know, everything you do. So for me as a man, my offer to any young men listening that have to have that conversation with their sons or daughters, um, is that, that be brave enough to have that conversation about consent, because I think that, I think if we take care of the consent piece, I think a lot of the, a lot of the problems uh, kind of go away, uh, um, but we have to navigate that that yeah, conversation. I agree.
2: Mm-hmm. If if that talk is had, it would cause less exploring mistakes. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So yeah, that makes sense. Less
1: trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's something that we
1: spoke about in in other podcasts as well, but never in this context, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about consent and, you know, <clears throat> if if you're asking yourself these questions where you're not sure where it's like, am I comfortable, should I be doing this, then maybe you just should not be doing this, mm-hmm. period. If you're in a, in a position where you're asking yourself these, mm-hmm. these questions, then, you know, it's probably your answer right there. Yeah. So, so we have a lot instinct, of... Follow your gut. You
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, follow your gut. We have a lot of young listeners out there definitely who are going to be listening to this and you know it's always something to be to to keep in mind definitely is to make sure that you're you're comfortable with yourself and comfortable with your partner you know when the time comes it'll come but if you are having anxiety or you're not feeling right about it in that moment then and if you're asking yourself these questions then just back off for now you know
0: just because everybody else is doing it
1: just because
0: it's all over the media. I know, I mean, we live in a population that is, what, 55% under the age of 25 years old.
1: The last census was 69.9% for the record.
5: Okay. Mm -hmm. Wait, say
1: that again? 69.9% of our youth, I mean, of our Our population population, is youth. So we we multiply like bunnies.
0: We are
2: almost three quarters. So there's, yeah, but
0: that creates an environment of, you know, everybody's just having sex and getting pregnant. Um, I'm one of those parents myself that, you know, was a teenager and had... Couple of kids. I once I turned twenty, though I stopped having kids. I just want everybody to know that. Um, but in when you live in this community where nobody seems to be really older than you,
6: <laughs>
0: for the most part, like it, it the normalness of it is it, you can't really look past it because you don't really know anything else because you don't live somewhere else. So how? How do we convince people or kids, like exactly what you were saying about if you're not ready?
1: If you're asking hmm. yourself questions, if you're definitely Yeah. yourself,
2: it should come natural, it should not be awkward. Um,
3: but that again, stop it's a like lot respect, yeah. Well, And there should be no pressure.
4: And a lot of youth, like, they think it's cute having kids when it's really expensive and you have all these responsibilities, and yeah, they think it's really cute, and they end up having babies while they're still babies.
1: Hmm. You want to know another really, like, horrible reality is that, you know, with our uh, housing crisis and lack of housing and all this, you know, stuff that's going on, a lot of the houses, a lot of the dwellings are like two, three generations in one house. And there's a lot of overcrowding and there's a lot of social issues that are coming out of this. And a lot of households are dealing with that addiction problems, abuse problems. So, you know, if uh, uh, to get social housing, the more social issues that you have that are on paper, you know, The more points you get and the more likely you are to get your own house, which is really unfortunate. So sometimes I've heard of people like, well, yeah, maybe I should just get three more kids and maybe I'll finally get my own house and I'll move out of my grandma's house because my mom's driving me nuts with all her boyfriends. Like, you know, these are some of the realities.
5: I I like the word you used, get. Like you can go to Walmart and get some kids <laughs> go get some kids, but i I know what that means, like I know and I know what you're saying, and that's yeah, that's um it's hard to talk about it without sounding negative about the kids, so I think yeah, you know, like it really is, and I don't think anyone on this panel is kind of saying that kids are bad.
2: No, the whole point of it is that kids are to be raised the right way mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be brought up just anyhow. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready and responsible to raise the child to be a good human in society.
3: That's mm-hmm. it. When my, uh, when my dad was 19, 19 he had his uh, first child uh, because in order to have a house to live in, you, you needed a child back then, so... Still today.
1: Still yeah. is today.
3: Yeah, it, it, that, that, that doesn't help,
5: too, you know. That's an interesting point. What kind of policies are out there that actually encourage it, mm. right?
4: Because if you have kids, you get more points, mm. yeah. and you are more eligible to get intentional Unintentional
0: side effect of mm. it, but... Yeah. It's there. That definitely wasn't going through my mind when I I had my first kid.
5: (laughs) Baby, take your pants off. I'm going to get us a house. It's not
1: funny. But, you know, I've been really fortunate to have been working with some really amazing people in my lifetime and one of the things that me and my friend olivia ike had started when we were about 18 19 was a housing petition and you know we ended up going all the way to parliament and you know a couple of years later and pitching all of our uh, our heart-filled um ranting in a document that we brought to all these uh senators and anyway and that was one of the things that kept coming up is you know if you want a house the more messed up you have to be so it's like counterproductive right so it gives you like this false idea that okay well you know if I have social issues then I'm gonna get a house so I'm gonna go get some social issues like you know it's really sad and it's really unfortunate really unfortunate but you know even though we face all these different kind of obstacles and struggles and things like that one of my biggest like models in my life is no matter how messed up or how much you struggle in life it's not an excuse to live a certain way like you know you always have to think okay i need to rise above i need to get to the next step you know i can't be stuck at that level where everyone seems to be stuck and going around in circles so you know there's a cycle always that i'm always going back and I'm always talking about and we need to be able to step back, look at it, recognize it and get out of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well said. Yeah.
3: And there's one thing we didn't talk about is uh, paying child support. You know, Hi. because uh, there's, there's many men in my community and I know in a lot of places that they got, pre- they got, they got, a, they got some girl pregnant when they were 15 and now they're going to pay child support for 18 years which is which is sad because they don't even have a job and they're they're struggling because of it and most of it happened when they were drunk so yeah
1: yeah i think that if i could give any message out there drunken sex most oftentimes ends up being regretful sex (laughs) and we've covered this in other podcasts but i think it's worth bringing up again like you know especially when you're under the influence and you know we're dancing at the bar and it feels good and then we're like okay let's go home and then you know stuff happens and we've got the condom but we have sex anyway and then like bam nine months later we got (laughs) we got our own social issue that's gonna give us points at the housing bureau (laughs) 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 which is all really unfortunate but Mm. It happens most times that way, and I see Lucy over there. She's really trying not to laugh, but <laughs> maybe she can relate to that. Uh. Well,
5: <laughs> I think this. I think the, like the, to go back to something earlier, and to, to connect it to what we're talking about. I think the stigma around, around being responsible for sex is is like there there is a stigma around it, like. If, you know so for young men it's like well I don't wear those you know I don't wear condoms mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's ridiculous and not just because of STDs or STIs just that it's you know it's a responsible thing, thing to do um, and so like like I think noticing that in your peer group and in your friendship group is really important to call out um, because I th- I think if if you're sexually active that you have to there should be a a bare minimum Mm. of safe practice and that we, we pull away sort of the excuses and holding especially young men accountable in that way, I think is, you know, is, is really, really important. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, it takes two to, to tango and so you can't, you can't buck your responsibilities just because, um, you, think you can or you think you should it's it's um so not not accepting excuses you know Mm -hmm. not not accepting that um that he just doesn't want to wear a condom you know Mm -hmm. is, is not good enough and the other way you know where you know if your girlfriend is saying you don't have to wear one but you want to and you insist on it you should feel like you should be able to wear one right so yeah my nep- I talked to my nephew a lot about that, and he was like, well, what if I just don't have it? Like, then you don't have sex. Right? You wait. Exactly.
4: You know? Like, I saw a status yesterday, a 14-year-old girl posting, saying she's tired and that it's too much responsibility, and then there was another comment on it, like, that said, well, it's your responsibility now. You decided to have this baby. You unplanned baby and then the girls started arguing and saying like it was a planned baby yet that child that had a child you know like and saying how condoms are really uncomfortable like 14 year olds saying that i was so shocked last night like whoa
5: take it from this old man 14 year olds they're not that bad (laughs) they're pretty good (laughs) There's a lot of good technology. Like, go do your homework,
4: like,
5: <laughs> you, know, you have You're, not, you're not putting because on, like so of kind of of an old those, beaver yeah. so There's lots of good condoms out there.
1: Even
4: women condoms,
5: now. Yeah. So Even
2: use
4: them,
1: yeah. people, use them. Yeah. <laughs> earlier, earlier we were having this conversation with a bunch of elders, mm. and <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to repeat it again for the sake of repeating, because it was hilarious. And I'm going to go back to about um, birth control and things like that. and. One of the ladies, she turned around and she said, well, you know what, Inuit were so innovative. She's like, I'm surprised that they didn't think about using the lining from intestine from you know, <laughs> seals and they could have tied it at the end. I'm sure they wouldn't have felt the thing. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> using animal parts as a condom. Well, Our that's ancestor. what they used to do, didn't they? With no, pig she skin. Was, really? Yeah. People are like, I, I got to Google this stuff later. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs>
0: Just check out our check out Facebook page. Those links will be available.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will, they will. It won't be that, it, it won't be like a video of an awkward, like, middle aged lady who's wearing her glasses halfway down her nose putting a condom on a banana. I think we're going to be able to find out some uh, really great uh, links that will be able to help you guys uh, look into. Uh, how you can protect yourself during safe sex?
0: One thing that was mentioned also by the, these same elders was a great form of contraceptive was, well, there's not a lot of food this year. We're going to starve if we have more f- mouths to feed, and so let's not have any more children until we're we're uh, not starving anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. until we're stable enough yeah
0: until we're stable enough we can cause there's always that balance you know not too many people so you you can't sustain everyone but at the same time make making sure there's a future generation coming to be able to continue on so once we've we're moved into communities um, relocated into the places where we live now you know that idea of starvation that being Sur, uh, being always in survival mode kind of went away, uh, to some extent. So, you know, I think that's why we have such a young population. Just kind of, mm-hmm. so we haven't been in communities for for that long. So
1: really, not years. that long. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> some like sixty years is an old community. When,
1: when our when our land claims agreement was signed in nineteen seventy five, um, a lot of the agreements were actually based on our quotas our population, and the population in 1975 was 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. Now, 42 years later, we are close up to 14,000 people. So if you think in the span of four decades, we have populated... More
2: than triple, Almost mm-hmm. five
1: times. Because
4: <laughs> these people, they were scattered everywhere, and when they were told to, like, Sinan, Ohuro, Mohammed. <laughs>
5: Are you my cousin? <laughs>
1: oh my God, it didn't even matter anymore.
2: You that's another thing we yeah. should talk about is also talking to your children about family. Who's family? Oh my God, that's such yeah. a great so important subject. Yeah. It is, because I ended
4: up dating my first cousin not knowing and mm, i was sorry. like so so in love oh dear it was so bad we so much in common <laughs> even our last name. <laughs> 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 who's
5: your grandpa <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah. yeah i fell in love with my cousin in grade 5 too yeah she was beautiful Looked like my mom. <laughs> you know? And I came home and I told my dad, I was like, oh, I'm going to have this girlfriend I really like. Her Her name's Tiffany. And he's like, Tiffany who? And I was like, Dulk. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, broke, broke the news. I was heartbroken. And he told me, he said, you can't do that. Just be your friend, okay? <laughs> yeah,
3: it's, it's hard to find love when you're related to three quarters of uh, of your town. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so travel, people.
3: Just travel. kidding. <laughs> uh, travel and find your third cousin. <laughs> <laughs>
6: This
5: is that's horrible. Not that's not true. That's not For the record. <laughs> <laughs> one of those this podcast. Now. That's about the best research you can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're welcome, My government. government. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We, have, we need an app or something
0: oh. like they have in Iceland where you, it shows your lineage and like you guys kind of compare and like uh, it's a light comes on red or green and then you kind of yeah.
2: It's, it's, yeah, it's so important to ask around whose family, um, so you don't end up dating your cousin.
4: Yeah, but that also provides free family trees, so just so everyone knows. Ask your
2: elders, ask your grandparents, ask your parents. Right. Your
5: aunts and uncles. Can I can I also say that we have to stop calling it birds and the bees? Mm. Oh. Sure. I, I didn't even know this was a thing until seriously.
2: When did the birds and the today? bees ever get together?
5: I, yeah, never. I never heard. And of I think that's part of like, and this isn't directed at this panel or this project. It's just it's part of our apprehension of talking about sex. Mm. Like it's mm. sex. It's that's what it is. It's sex, mm. and sometimes. Okay, you know, sometimes men and women have sex. Sometimes women and women have sex. Sometimes men and men have sex. It's sex, and um, it, you know, with my with my daughters, that's what it, I call it straight up. I'm like, I use all the words, and I, I don't want to not use the words because I just think we ha- we can't tiptoe around it if we're really serious about about equipping young people with the tools. Right, um, that's something that. that that just really bugs me that we're... And where does that come from, right? Like being afraid to talk about certain things. So really just cutting through it and, and just mm-hmm. getting right to what it is we're actually saying. Breaking barriers. Uh, I,
3: oh, um, I think that uh, not talking to your children about sex will damage them mm-hmm. because they're going to they're say to themselves, oh, I just found out this new thing called sex. It's so great. I'm going to have lots of it and then they end up with a child, like, a couple months later. It's it's crazy.
2: I think uh, the birds and the bees talk is for when they're a bit younger, when they ask where they came from. But I think, yeah, when it comes to talking to our young teenagers, it's very important to be specific and clear.
5: Yeah, good point. Mm. Yeah, not, f- not four-year-olds like, well, your mom was looking good and... Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then we said, push
5: <laughs> She had just got home from bingo and I said, hey, you look good.
4: <laughs> I think it's good to talk about it to our children because, like, for example, when we're about to cross the road, like, we always check both sides, like... And right. We cross it. It's, mm-hmm. I think it has to be the same, mm-hmm. like along the same line. Yeah, that's
1: a really good point. It's
2: giving that's them something example. to expect because yeah. mm. it's gonna come anyways, mm-hmm. right? To prepare them because something is coming. Yeah.
5: How, how here's a question: How do how how do young people approach adults, like to to ask? You questions.
2: have to be approachable. Yeah. First of all. Yes.
0: The adult has to be yeah i I struggle with that too like i not necessarily with sex, but I've traveled uh recently across Nunavut um mostly to talk about cannabis legalization at high schools, and you ask any grade ten to twelve class in the territory and it's like do you guys talk to your parents about this do you where do you get your information like oh hip hop videos you know like Music videos. That's kind of where we get our entire education on cannabis use and uh, like how like why why wouldn't you go to your parent like it's, it's a subject that we don't want to talk to our parents about like sex is sort of the same thing.
2: I when I started talking to my son, I was I was the conversation instigator. I had to be. So he knows that I started the conversation and invited him into the conversation. That he didn't start and it was awkward. He didn't know how I was going to react to him asking about it. So once I had that, once I instigated the conversation, he was able to come to me anytime. Mm. So I think that's important as a yeah, parent.
4: Because it also takes a lot for younger people to ask questions mm. like that. Because it's not something we talk about every day. Mm-hmm.
2: To be and they don't necessarily uh, bring it up because they're doing it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It could be because they've are they been wondering about it. They're curious. They're starting to get curious about it. So don't react crazy to way they do.
5: So if yeah, so if, if a young person wants to talk to an adult, what should a young person say? Mm-hmm. Like, how should they approach an adult about it, right? Like, not be afraid and just to be open about, like, I want to talk like they should they have to feel safe to to do it and and I'd like to say that you know you shouldn't you shouldn't feel afraid to bring it up there's no shame involved in wanting to talk about it even if you're afraid just you have to be brave for five seconds and ask
0: and then it gets easier after that. It's
1: mm. like ripping off a band aid. Mm. Yeah.
4: Mm. I think, like, the main reason why, like, STDs and syphilis and stuff like that, it's so high amongst Inuit because we don't talk about anything and protect, like, Hanuk imini, hano na. Uhat Like, your reputation yeah.
0: as a community mm-hmm. member.
4: Like, uhang ilo explain ng then they end up having unprotected sex, and how are they to think they might not have their sex or so near, not so near to go to me hope it is not ill nothing.
2: That's why we need to guide them into yeah. it.
4: Yeah.
2: The next, kang
4: mo na ako to
2: tayo mga, ah alo kayo nito kang mo na ako misunong kisayon o hanggilot. Hmm hmm. Kay ilo ato hanggilot, yun
1: I think that that comes back to almost every conclusion of every episode that we've been doing is that really for our listeners out there uh, who are parents, who are contemplating being parents or you know who like sex, which is probably going to be almost everybody out there, but anyway. We always encourage everyone to be able to create a safe environment, either if you are the one who's going to be instigating these talks or if you're looking to have these talks with somebody else, you know, creating a safe environment where these kind of conversations can come into play is really important. Um, You know, there's a lot more resources in your communities than you may think about, Uh, you know, whether you're if you're in school or not in school, like, there's always our parents or grandparents, your friend's parents or, you know, your cousins or stuff like that. So there's always that uh, one. I'm mean, sorry, I'm going to go back to what Angoti was saying. Like, even though it sounds scary, it's like, you know, you just got to like hold your breath and not think about it too much and just go do it. Go ask that question because you're, you, you could be saving a lot of heartache in the long run yeah. or headache or bucks in your pocket and, you know. Also, I, I would like to uh, just remind our listeners out there who are going to be in the communities that there are free condoms.
0: condoms, and the
1: pill. Yeah. Uh, most nurses, all, all nurses in all the CLSCs are open to having these conversations. Um, if you think that there's any kind of... Um, Confidentiality issues. Let me tell you right now that that's not a thing. Um, confidentiality is CLSC's number one priorities, and if you guys, or especially you young women, maybe one day there's going to be a contraceptive for men, but for now, it's you know the women who are taking like the uh, oral contraceptives or pill. I mean, or shots or IUDs or all these kind of different things. Um, all this information is available at your local CLSC and it's confidential
3: but uh, also you need to have a lot of trust in your partner because i know some people some some women that that want to have children but uh, but the the guy didn't want to and so the woman told him that she took the pill but she didn't because she wanted to have a child and unexpectedly the man you had a child, so it's uh, really, you need a lot of uh, trust for it.
1: Honesty is the best policy, my friends. Respect and honesty. Yeah. So I think uh, we're coming to the end of this episode. Um, I'd like to go around and give you guys one last chance to give any shout-outs there to our listeners, or if you guys have any advice you'd like to share. Speak now or forever hold your peace.
0: Really ask questions. Sometimes the kids, when I was a teenager, you know, you would say, if the girl's on top, she won't get pregnant. You know, that's not true. That's not true. That's
2: That's not not true, people. That's not (laughs) true. Or if you
1: climax at the same time, that means (laughs) gravity (laughs) broke.
0: Just has to go pee right after, like, no, 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 no. like, really understand what you're getting into. That's yeah.
2: all. If you're curious, ask about it mm-hmm. mm.
5: consent, 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 and if it feels bad, it is, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't. So, um, and more
3: consent,
2: yeah, it should, it's something that should never be pressured on any side. Mm. I really like that advice. If it feels bad, then it probably
1: is bad. Like you know, mm. sex is good. Sex feels good. Sex is fun. You know, it it relieves stress. It's exercise. It's exercise. You know, like by all it's means. Intimate. It's when it when it when it's time. It's time.
5: Mm. I th- I think that's I I mean I know we're wrapping up, so I'll shut up. That's all. No. I think the intimacy part is like a big a big part of the decision to have sex Mm. and I think that when intimacy and feelings and emotions and and perhaps even love gets involved that's where it gets super complicated and so for young people when they start having sex and they start to feel these really powerful emotions um, based on the the power of intimacy and, and everything else involved with sharing that space with somebody Um, it gets really tricky. And when you're a young person, it's really hard to navigate that space. So that's another reason to take your time and to go very slowly and be very sure um, about the decisions you make. Because I can tell you as an adult, as a 40-year-old fat dad, um, it's still complicated. Those emotions and that intimacy and all of that that comes with uh, sex is still very complicated, and um, it never gets easier. I think that's like part of the deal. Um, so when you start to experience that, or if you experience that, that's normal. But just know that that's, that's a big red flag mm-hmm. that really needs to be considered when when you start making the decision to, to have sex, is that it's going to get very complicated very quickly. Mm.
1: It's not as simple as it sounds.
5: No, you didn't just, it's not a Nicki Minaj video. <laughs> it's, it's not three and a half minutes and then you just bounce. It's, it's like. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> you what know. happened I don't want
5: someone <laughs> like you
1: guys. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky area to navigate.
1: No, I'm really happy that you brought that up because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't believe that I didn't even think about that, especially when I was talking about myself, especially when you're really young and you have all these raging hormones that make you feel all these funny feelings that sometimes a lot of these feelings are actually false. <laughs> it's just your hormones. And, you know, you, you you think that because you're feeling this way that you need to do something and that's not always necessarily what it is, right? And like you say, it can get really complicated, really fast, and sometimes it's just like a mask, right? And we really need to consider all the facts and the realities and, you know, even though you're feeling like it in the moment that it can actually have long-term side effects, so consequences. So that's always something to keep in mind.
5: Because a lot of, you know, a lot of, when relationships do fall apart and many do, (laughs) uh, you know how many times I've been in love? I love her. I'm never gonna love no one like her ever I'm getting again. Her, I'm
4: getting a tattoo.
5: <laughs> yeah. I don't have any women's names tattooed in my body. Thankfully, I never went that far. Mine are all scars.
6: It's <laughs> <laughs> my first love. Yeah.
5: But but when when relationships do end like that, and all of those feelings and emotions are involved, um, we can all we can also tie those feelings of intimacy and, and the complications there to youth suicide, mm-hmm. right? And we can make those connections where people feel like life's over because I lost so-and-so, because so-and-so doesn't love me, because you have you can't navigate the tricky how tricky that is, and it overwhelms you. And it's something I've experienced in my community and, and in my work and the job I do when I travel to work with youth in other communities <laughs> When you start talking with youth and you kind of start to listen, you figure out that a lot of young people just get twisted up in these relationships and, and make really uh, make decisions to take their life sometimes and and, and it 's around these sometimes unhealthy relationships or the circumstances of a of a failed relationship as a young person so it's uh, it's, it sounds really scary and I don't mean for it to sound scary but the, the emotions that come with it are, are really are real I, I, I can't agree more because um,
3: my brother um, when, when he was um, in a relationship and he had a daughter her name's Kyla I, I love her a lot you know and um, you know uh, his, his girlfriend dumped him and he was drunk and he was he was on drugs heavy drugs and stuff. And he decided to take his life because somebody said, we're not together anymore. And you know, it's, uh, it's really sad, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I
0: think a lot of us can relate. Yeah,
1: this. we're really sorry for your loss. Yeah. And it's a really sad reality. And it's something that is repetitive. Um, it's repetitive and it's something that everyone goes through. I don't know why specifically in relation to Native people, I don't they, they, they get so wound up so quick and so easy. And, you know, when you build walls around yourself, it's hard to see what's on the other side. But, you know, everything takes time, whether you realize it or not. And you just got to, you know, wait it out. It's, long as it takes, as hard as it is, as much as it hurts, you know, there is something on the other side of those walls that you built, and eventually you're going to have to break them
2: down on your own, and that's something you learn to do on your own time. So knowing the differences between lust and love Mm. is so important.
5: Mm. I lust you. you. Most of the time
2: it is like a physical attraction, mistaken for love and causing a huge heartbreak or like a one-sided relationship one-sided he loved her but she didn't love him back
5: you know and that's the all of this is directly tied to the choice mm-hmm. to have sex so it's not it's because the the healthy relationship that should be behind that choice, or the healthy relationship to consent and just have fun for a night, um, is are different things. Yeah. And so, yeah. in a boyfriend girlfriend situation or that type of scenario, you know, um, the healthy relationship needs to be the foundation of the choice mm-hmm. to have sex. And, and healthy relationships are tricky. They're they're she can be confusing. Yeah. They're, they're hard work, too, and I think that's probably, you've probably touched on that in other other podcasts, that healthy relationships are to be considered before you make that choice. And There's a lot to think about before you take your pants off. Yes. So. Yeah,
4: and so in, in the nation, like when a girl and a guy gets pregnant, they both decide to get sober, too, like, because... Um, they're not supposed to drink two drugs. So the guy also does not drink and do drugs. while they're pregnant. Ojibwe. Yeah. That's amazing. And wow. there's
5: there's there's teachings about mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different information about that that um, that that we believe and that mm-hmm. um, um that the space that's being created. You know, with the child, um, we the child's already alive, right? So. So the child's already learning, you know? And you'll, you'll see that, that when the pregnancy is happening, the baby starts to respond to your voice and different things like that. So it's, it's all connected to those, those teachings.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I have the hiccups. Not good for a podcast. <laughs> or burps or
1: for we've established this. No, um, I had a train of thought earlier and then we started talking about flatulence again we were talking about that the last earlier this morning too sorry <laughs>
0: talking about how they make you live longer if you smell them
3: yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some bro science yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> just to say no, I mean, these she's are on ladies. top <laughs> 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 these are ladies <laughs> so
0: we
4: went out and First thing, we're smelling.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's another, okay, I think I kind of remember what I was trying to go at, you know. um, You know, the definition of a relationship, of a healthy relationship is not always based on, like, you know, just because we slept together for one night doesn't mean that we're boyfriend and girlfriend and we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. Like, Or, you know, I got your mind, so I got to give you, like, a hickey so everyone knows kind of thing, you know. It's so funny because it's... (coughs) kind of like our, our definitions on how we label our each other as boyfriend and girlfriend you know what are our standards what does a relationship mean like these are all really important um in, uh discussions to have with children because a lot of the times they get false information from media sources and things like that so again it's extremely important to be able to talk about your relationships, what's healthy, what's not, you know, it can be as simple as saying, this is right and this isn't right. Like, you know, and also to live by example Mm. for your children is something that's extremely important.
5: And extremely, and extremely hard.
1: Right.
5: Like it's, it's really hard.
1: It's really hard. And so
5: for parents listening, like that's, that's a commitment too, right? That, um,
1: because, yeah, they be
5: learn. Mm. Yeah, they learn from you. Every, they're sponges, right? Right. They're, they're just these beautiful little sponges that just pick things up. And sometimes you're dropping things you don't even know you're dropping, and they're just picking it up. Mm. And, and you can see it the way it plays out later, uh, you know, in their lives as they start to grow up. You're like, you, and you can't, you don't get a do-over. Mm-hmm. Right, so you don't you don't get a se- you don't get a chance to go back in time. I can say this as a parent that is, that has made some mistakes where I've thought, oh man, I really screwed that up. You know, you don't necessarily get a do over. So, those are all things to be to be uh, yeah to be mindful of for sure.
2: I think it's important to tell too to, just as much as we talk about. The birds and the bees are the sex talk with our teens. It's so important to let them know that um, finding love is not instant. It's a journey. It's, it's a, you know, you're not going to, because usually they, they get into it, they, they think they're in love, and the big, big heartbreak, the big, big heartbreak, the first heartbreak, you know. Uh, maybe if I think if we talked about it to them and what to expect in the dating world and what can happen and what, you know? Mm. I think that would be, I think that's important too. So they expect, you know, the first person you meet is not gonna be your soulmate, Mm -hmm. but it's the beginning of your journey to find someone who's compatible with you.
5: And where that starts, you know, I think um, my youngest daughter has always had little boyfriends and at her birthday parties, it'd be mostly boys. And the parents would come in and go like, oh, how can you let Jane have all these boys over? It's like, uh, they're friends, you know? But at a young age, five, six years old, other parents are sexualizing those relationships already instead of just letting them Mm -hmm. be kids Mm -hmm. and be friends. And there doesn't have to be weirdness about some boy coming over to play PlayStation 4 with my kid. Um, as long as they're being respectful to each other, and you know, let them kind of navigate their friendships the way they do. Um, so I think it starts with us as adults, the way we treat those friendships and relationships between kids, because we've always had a house full of boys, and I've, we've got two girls. We've always had a house full of boys, and we just try to say like, it's okay to have boyfriends, it's okay to have girlfriends, right? Like it's so. But a lot of parents aren't cool with that. They're like, "How could you let like We've had boys sleep at our house before, with sleepovers. Like they watch movies all night and hang out, and parents think that's insane. Mm. You know, like they're friends. You know, so I think it starts with us too, the way we sort of project Mm -hmm. sexuality onto to young people and those side of those friendships. So, I,
3: I I have a friend, and I work with him. I'm really close with him. He's He's older, he's like 50, and he's kind of like, like my dad a bit. Uh, but every time he sees, he sees me with a girl, he's like, Oh, Jamie, you're banging her, huh? And it's like, I'm like, Just shut up. Like, uh, it, you know, it's toxic. You know, he's trying to sexualize my thoughts, and I'm just like, Shut up. <laughs> uh.
5: Yeah, adults do that. We don't have to, we don't have to project that onto young people because you're friends with someone doesn't mean you want to have sex with them okay. or are having sex with them or want to have sex with them and I think adults need to stop doing that because I think that's the that's the basis uh, of of those really like not the basis that's that's where that sort of unhealthy relationship with with between people kind of begins the way we teach young people like oh you have to want to have sex with her because you're a boy mm. it's like it's ridiculous so
3: but the funny thing is is he has six children all across <laughs> Nunavik <laughs> so
5: yeah
1: I think I, I, you know
5: we uh, wrapped this up 25 minutes ago yeah, we did.
1: <laughs> but then it took like a million other really great directions that I couldn't like not have so but i think again a lot of a lot of these different kind of conversations always come back to a a, a common denominator and you know before you have your relationships with other people intimate relationships and things like that it's always important to be able to be okay with yourself first of all and i think that if there's any message coming out of this that has a common dena- denominator is like you know be good to yourself um be good to your children, be honest with each other, be open, open minded, and you know again, please go out there and create safe spaces to have these kind of conversations because we realized during out this conversation that there's many risks, there's more risks, more cons than pros if you don't have these conversations. So I'm going to say thank you to everyone for being here. I think we've been able to have a an exceptional conversation about all the stuff that is information packed that a lot of our listeners are going to benefit from. Also I'd just like to uh, remind our, remind our listeners out there that um, on our Facebook Checkup Project page, we're going to have links there for you uh, to check out for different resources on how to protect yourselves, how to have um, safe sex when you're ready for it. and. Um, also, again, contraceptives at the CLSCs, and it's confidential. So, thank you all for being here today. This is your host, Lucy Yates, and
0: Woody Johnston. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, and that's a wrap for today. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank
4: you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was going to say, um, I'm going to the shower <laughs> to get some money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ryan, can I can I just have you give like I know you told us where you're from, but can you just give us like a little bit of a bio about yourself and what you do?
5: Sure. Um, my name is uh, Ryan McMahon, and I'm Anishinaabe from Kuching First Nation. I live in Winnipeg mm-hmm. uh, with my family. Um, I have two daughters, and um, I'm a professional comedian. Uh, writer, podcast, media guy. Um, And uh, I went to school at the University of Minnesota and uh, graduated with uh, a degree in theater in 1999. And uh, after uh, university, I moved to Toronto to chase my dreams of being an actor. And uh, um, while there, kind of, you know, I'd end up in audition rooms with Adam Beach and uh, Nathaniel Arcand and hey. all of those beautiful, beefy brown men and uh, you know, re- discovered really how difficult the world of uh, film and TV was going to be for me because I don't really fit the stereotype of a native actor. And so um, I just took a different path and I started... Um, doing comedy. I started at the second city in Toronto and took the conservatory there. And in 2003, um, graduated from the conservatory there and went to New York and, um, auditioned for Saturday Night Live in 2003 and, um, failed miserably, uh, had the worst audition in my life. And that kind of reset things for me. And right after that, I found out I was going to be a dad, so. Um, so I took some time off from doing sketch and improv comedy and uh, focused on being a stay-at-home dad for almost six years, five years. I was a stay-at-home dad and raised my two girls and um, um, it was during that time I, I you know I have a degree in theater I, I've only ever focused on doing one thing in my career where um, I moved to Winnipeg and there's not much of a scene there, so I thought my career was over and I um registered for law school at the University of Manitoba, and I bought um, I bought a, a MacBook, uh, a MacBook Pro to do my writing on for law school, and um, when I was walking out of the bookstore, um, uh, out of the university, it was cold, it was like uh, February, it was freezing cold outside, I slipped on some ice, and I dropped like 12 books that I was carrying out the door. I just, uh, slipped and they fell everywhere. And the only thing I was holding still was that MacBook. And I was, I was holding it in my hand in the box. And I looked at those books and I said, ah, I quit. And I didn't go to back to law school. I left everything there. And it was just something I, I knew I didn't want to do. And I, um, I think about two days later, discovered GarageBand on the MacBook. Okay. I was like, what the hell is GarageBand? So I start playing with this podcasting thing. Um, This is in 2008, uh, 2009. And I just start playing with this podcasting thing in GarageBand and sort of the rest is history. I started creating characters and podcasts and um, really just started focusing on writing comedy again. And um, in 2010, recorded my first comedy special, 2012 became the first native comedian to ever record a one hour comedy special with CBC, And then, you know, pretty much takes me up to today where I've, I've done about six comedy specials in the last five years and really focused on comedy, but that provided me a platform, um, and privilege. And so that's when I really started to focus on building my media company and started to think about if I have all this privilege and space, to do things, then I want to provide that space back to the community. And so created, um, Indian and cowboy, which is a digital, um, media platform for indigenous voices. So, um, I started that company in 2013 and, um, since then have just been focused on building an online platform for indigenous stories, indigenous podcasts, video, um, uh, to live. And so. This April, uh, just a couple weeks from now, we we have our first major investor who's coming on on to uh, help fund us, and um, we'll be a fully funded uh, platform very soon. And so, you know, we've built the team of media makers and storytellers, and we're 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 we just want to support people. We just want to give the tools over to communities and to to creative people to to help give that space to them, and I think storytelling and media uh, and work like this that you're doing just builds doorways for people to walk through and it allows them to discover these worlds and it, it, it allows them to discover ideas that can really enrich their lives and so the you know we've never seen a time like this before you know politically or socially where young people are just just thirsty for this information. And if we're not putting it on cell phones and iPads, we're, we're failing right. because there are more smart enabled devices in the world than there are people. Like think about your house, you probably have a tablet, you have cell phone, your husband has cell phone, you have you know, probably a laptop, you have all these smart enabled devices. So if we're not putting our stories here, our teachings, our songs, uh, our language, if we're not putting this into the hands of young people, then we're 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 doing it wrong. So, that's what we're focused on. Um, yeah. So that's my. I guess that's the long, That was a long answer.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. It's good. And okay. you know what? It's. Um for our listeners who are out there, uh, it's important for them to know who they're listening to as well. So Mm. I'm really happy that you're able to explain a little bit about yourself. And also we're really fortunate to be able to have had you in this conversation. Um, Before we say goodbye, um, I'd like to know what your favorite sexy song is.
5: Oh boy, Uh, favorite sexy song. Yeah, 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 I'm not prepared. My ears just got really hot. Oh no! Um, favorite <laughs> sexy song. Um,
1: like yeah, I know. I know. Earlier you were talking about like you thought maybe you were the oldest person in this room. I'm not 100 percent convinced, but right. you know, in your time, I'm sure there has been many sexy songs. Oh, many. So
5: um,
1: from pick era or not or.
5: So I, <laughs> I lost my virginity. To uh,
1: yeah, it's already a good story Yeah, I
5: lost my virginity to uh, Bon Jovi.
1: No.
5: uh, here I'll embarrass myself. Bed of roses. Okay, um, I wanna lay you down in a bed of roses. No, 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 and uh, that's not a very sexy song, but I'll that's that'll be my answer for
1: okay. today. Okay, okay, it's a good Roses. answer. Bed
5: of Roses by Bon Jovi. <laughs> 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 I told you I'm an old man. It's there a, you go.
1: I don't even know the song that you're talking about. <laughs> <of.
5: laughs> How dare you? How dare you have to edit that? That's no. <laughs> the YouTube link will be available on our Facebook page.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Thank um, you, everyone else. Uh, thank you. Do Meet Media for recording us here today and every other day, and our editing uh, for the many days to come. So, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> That's a wrap, guys. Thank you. <laughs> to the bar.
5: Just <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Uh, oh. Let's continue this discussion online, on the Checkup Project Facebook page. This week we want to know, if you were able to speak to your younger self, what would you say about love and relationships? Thanks for being with us.
0: Pusevit is financed by the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services. Thanks to our host Louisa Yates and co-host Anuti Johnston, to Twin Flames and the Beatrice Deer Band for the music, Audio Zed and Derek Taguna for mixing and editing. 32 Mars for the production, and Véronique Morin, Maxime Lamoureux, and Isabelle Grignon-Franc from the Public Health team for content and coordination. Thanks to our guests Ryan McMahon, Jessica Tuma, Tommy Lacasse, Amarouk Witalutuk, Jamie Yaka, Lucy Nora, and everyone who participated in our studio discussions. Mostly thanks to you, our listeners.